Acts of the Apostles. Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus who was crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, What should we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one in the name of Jesus Christ, so that our sins may be forgiven, and we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for all of us, for our children and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. The word of the Lord.
first letter of Peter. If you invoke as Father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He has descended before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
itself came near and went to them, but their eyes were fresh from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and were before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Jerusalem. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things, and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Thus, with all of this passion and 
excitement brewing. It was with some surprise that as I prayed with this gospel this week, I kept thinking of just one thing. Former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> So bear with me. <clears throat> Some of you may recall an infamous response he gave during a press briefing in 2002 at the beginning of the Second Iraq War. There was a serious question posed uh, on, about the quality of American intelligence in confirming that the Iraqi government was indeed supplying weapons of mass destruction to terrorist groups. The reporter asked, how do we know that this is happening? Most of the evidence suggests that this is, in fact, not happening. Rumsfeld seemed a bit stymied, and he offered this in reply. These are his words, not mine. Quote, reports that say something hasn't happened are always interesting to me. Because, as we know, there are no knowns. There are things that we know that we know. We also know that there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. <laughs> but there are also unknown unknowns. The ones that we don't know, we don't know. that we could know, or that we might 
we do not, in fact, know. For instance, I know that everyone in this room has a birthday, but I do not know each one of your birthdays. And I know that I do not know. So this is a known unknown for me. And only Ann Lynch has it as a known known. <laughs> Jesus in this new 
this story, after Jesus has been revealed, these disciples say to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? As they walk along that road to Emmaus, they know it is Jesus. But they do not allow themselves to believe in the resurrection. Jesus, walking by their side, is so familiar, so intimately known, yet they cannot permit themselves to see. And thus, he remains unknown. Why can't the disciples allow themselves to see him? Well, they're frightened for their lives. They're disgraced followers of a failed rabbi revolutionary. They're mourning the loss of their teacher and friend. They are confused because their other friends have gone crazy and are running around telling wild stories that he isn't really dead. But most of all, they're probably walking on their way to Emmaus, wondering why they wasted these last few years. And how are they going to come up with a plan for what to do next? caught up in anxieties, fears, doubts, projected plans, and remembered sadnesses and anger. Their minds are on that loop. And sure, some of what they're thinking is unique to their situation, but most of it is all too familiar to me. They're trying to figure it out, make sense of it all, but their thoughts and emotions are roiling within them. It is not their fault, but they're clearly stuck in the mental and emotional projections. They cannot see what is in front of their eyes. And some of this is coming from within, it's the personal baggage. And we should all be familiar with that. But I think it's also important to say that some of the unknowing of Jesus comes from lenses, comes from presuppositions that this cannot be Jesus walking next to them. They know that. And they don't really take full stock of the fact that that is what is keeping them from seeing the truth. These lenses are lenses that we live with in this day. Those kinds of interactions where we see a person and we automatically, without thinking about it, without trying, without even intending it, have categories based on race, sex, gender expression, presumed sexuality, so on and so on. When a person is holding a sign, it's read a hundred times, homeless veteran needs help, you really see that person. Or do you know, because you've had this interaction, dozens of times before, it's awful, it's weird. You see them through a lens. You unknow them. I do. Wish it didn't. Or encounter a young person, or an older person, or a Hispanic person, or a black person, or a white person. Man, woman, gay, straight. 
of those kinds of interactions before you even really see them. It's almost impossible not to do this kind of unknowing. Yet, I hope with you, and we know for these disciples, that something still burns within. Something in them knows that not all is as it seems. That they're missing something as they walk with this stranger. They know something. They can't put their finger on it, but it's a familiarity. And it's this sense that leads them to invite him to a meal, which is a very intimate invitation to a complete stranger. This is a chance taken on a hunch, a gut feeling sort of knowing. And it's at that meal that Jesus becomes the known known in the breaking of the bread. And here is another important piece of the story. Because as much of the unknown known comes from within, in our baggage, our projections, the things that keep us from actually seeing and knowing, there is something about the resurrection life that cannot be fully known as well. After they see Jesus as Jesus, after they know him, he disappears immediately, vanishes. They knew Jesus. We know Jesus fully and completely. But we can never know the full meaning of the resurrection and the new life. We cannot hold it. We cannot contain it. We cannot get it all at once. In this life, we are only afforded a glimpse, a taste. Some of it has to remain unknown in order to be the new life, to lead us on to that next moment, that next chance encounter with this unknown known.
We pray for our church. Excuse me. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. In the Anglican cycle prayer, we and the Anglican Church of Kenya for Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, and for unity in the worldwide Anglican communion. In our diocesan cycle prayer, we give thanks for the ministries of Church of our Redeemer Lexington, St. Anne's in the Field of Lincoln, St. Anne's Church Lowell, St. John's Church Lowell, and the Mount Hope Buzzards Bay Theater. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. That you may be glorified by all people. I ask your prayers for Catherine, our presiding bishop, for Tom and Gail, our bishops, for Alan, our bishop elect, for Tony and Becky, our priests, and for Rob, Marie, Judy, and Janet, our priest associates. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons.
Last night we had uh, wonderful progressive dinners that were uh, throughout the parish. And I want to thank especially uh, Chuck Neeson, who is so faithful in organizing that every year, and also the host households that opened their homes to us for the progressive dinner. Thank you all.
martyrs, but all those in every generation who have looked to you in hope to proclaim with them your glory and their attending gifts.
gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith and thanksgiving. All who seek God and hunger and thirst for Christ are welcome to receive communion in this holy faith.
God's will, working in you that which is well pleasing to God's sight. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you all.